Welcome to High Energy Health, where together we explore the leading edge of wellness and happiness. I'm your host, Dawson Church. By choosing this time together, you're declaring your commitment to a positive mindset, elevated emotions, and a great life. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of High Energy Health. We are so glad you made the choice consciously or unconsciously to share this time with us today. I am Miriam Paninski, your guest host, and today I have the amazing pleasure to be in conversation with the amazing Asha Frost. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Asha. Oh, it's such a gift to be here. Thank you for having me. So for those in the audience who do not yet know you, I would like to please correct me if I say some of these indigenous names wrong. <laughs> and please, please excuse me. Asha Frost is an indigenous medicine woman and a member of the Chipewas of Nawash First Nation. And as an energy healer, as an homeopath, a mentor, Asha has guided thousands of people through profound and lasting transformation, and she has blended her life experience with her innate gifts and the wisdom of her ancestors, and she loves sharing her medicine in powerful ways, I can assure you, through ceremonies, teachings, speaking events, and Asha, Asha right now lives in Anishinaabe in Huron Wendat. At, what is the name of the territory? Remind me. Haudenosaunee. Shawnee. Yes, thank you. With her husband and her two beautiful children, with whom she co-creates a better world for the seven, for the next seven generations to come. And today we will focus a lot on her new book, a Hay House publication, very recent, very new. You are the medicine, 13 moons of indigenous wisdom, ancestral connection and animal spirit guidance. Before we start, I really, it's, I really want to put out there this book did not just touch me on a really deep level and was transformational in the in indescribable levels. And that would be a personal conversation between the two of us to has, have. But I, want, but I want to say that I'm really feeling blessed that as a white European woman get the chance to be introduced to these ancient to this ancient indigenous wisdom. And I am so grateful for your generosity of you sharing this with me, with us, as hard it is to say, with us as white people, white women, as well as educate us about the pain, the violence you have endured for generations and how this violence is still being perpetuated. And of course, you must have taken into account publishing this book with Hay House. A good part of the audience of Hay House readers are also white. So if I may ask you, Asha, Asha to start with, who did you write this book for? That's so interesting. The majority of my audience has always been white. So mm -hmm. that tends to be, once I asked an elder, why is that? Because I thought, is there something wrong with that? Why are these the people that are showing up? And he said, you serve the people that show up for you. But this book has a bigger vision. I feel like I, I wrote it for those voices that are unseen and invisible and extinguished. My ancestors and beyond, and even the children that were recently discovered on Turtle Island, I mean, even those, those voices, I mean, I can't speak for all people at all or all Indigenous people. I only 
only speak for myself, but I do feel like there's a greater wave of energy and truth that comes through these words. And so I speak for the invisible, I think, in those who aren't seen, hoping that my visibility will make an impact for, for them. What really blew me away is that you, in the introduction of this book, you share an open letter that you wrote two years, about two years ago, I think, which went viral, heading dear white women who wants woman who wants to be like me and you describe before writing this letter you describe a shaking of your body a whole body tremor you experienced for years in conversations and interactions with white people white women would you mind sharing about this experience and what made you write this letter and what this letter did to you did for mm. you Yes, so that letter, it felt like it was a long time coming. I think there was just a lot of truth or maybe it was just an expression of what was happening. And maybe it was a representation of what's happened for my ancestors or it's happened um, for indigenous people with the co-opting and the taking and the extraction of resources and then our medicines. And for the longest time, I didn't feel worthy of practicing my own medicine because of all that shame and trauma of how they were almost extinguished. So that lives in your bones and your blood and your memories. So it took me a long journey just to even get to the place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start teaching and sharing and, and being in my medicine. That took a long time. And at the same time, I would see people doing it with ease. White women sharing their sage sticks and using them for mm -hmm. ads on Instagram or making money off of our, our sacred medicines with ease and rising, you know, and even like even being in business for two decades, like I mean, I'm so grateful where I'm at today, but I, I feel like it's been like a turtle. Like it's like all these other people who have kind of taken our medicines and risen off of them while, while we are still sitting here trying to get seen. So all of that came to the surface, all that truth. And one of my friends, I was on the phone with her and she suggested, why don't you write a letter? So I, it came out really easily. I just wrote it and it was just really raw. It was really mm -hmm. emotional and it still is, I think, because when I read it out loud, it still feels that way. And then it landed. I did not expect it to go viral. I, it wasn't, that wasn't my vision. I just wanted to write a blog. <laughs> so <laughs> then it went, and it went viral. And as I share in the book, it touched some nerve, I think, in some people. It touched some truth. People thanked me. The people attacked me. People, it was just like a whole bunch of different reactions to it that I wasn't prepared for, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But it did like crack open this journey for me too. I think that with that letter, it led to the, the book being here as well, because there was more truth I had to speak. I'm so glad you did, though. <laughs> oh, thank you. And what I what really struck me as well is that the letter is followed by reflection by reflection questions, and you post these questions throughout your whole book. You pose questions, and the reflection questions for the letter are: How does this letter touch you? What rises for you, and can you stay with it? And again, I just want to thank you for the generosity of those questions. They moved me. It moved me so much. This is such a It's such a generous opening. Can you stay with it? Can you stay with the discomfort? Can you hold space without changing, without fixing, without wanting to save? Can you also, can I stay with my own white fragility? And just the fact that you open the, that you post these questions, it's, it's painful opening, but it's a, a really important one. So I just wanted to thank you on this occasion. Thank you for, thanks for receiving it in that way. So um, to turn to, so to say, the, the path of the book, the book leads us through 13 moons. What are those moons and what is the significance of the moon? 
Yeah, so when I was birthing this book and creating it, I thought I wanted to have some sort of structure to it. And I'd been doing moon ceremonies probably for the past 15 years, either in person or online. And moon medicine just speaks so deeply to me, that cyclical nature that we all carry within us um, as, as folks who identify as women, you know, and we have our inner cycles and seasons that we really listen to and that, that move through our bodies and beings. And I thought, oh, the moon really speaks to like, that cyclical nature that we all carry. And I would love to have that medicine represent sort of some of the medicines that are coming through and that I wanted to write about. So the moons were like the framework and then they, they're moons specifically to the lands that I'm on right now. And I think people sometimes treat indigenous people as a monolith thinking that they're all one, one people and they all have one tradition or one ceremony or one language. And really we're like our own little countries across our first nations. So this is very specific to the lands that my ancestors are from and I'm hoping that the moons and the medicine can touch everyone that the lessons and teachings can even if you're on the other side of the world and you're not experiencing that moon at that time I think we all go through different cycles and seasons at different times so I hope that medicine that lesson will teach you and you know brings forward some sort of understanding that you carry within you already that's the way that's my intention at least so mm -hmm. I hope it lands that way it for me it totally did circling back when you say moon the medicine moon what is medicine to you how do you define it? So I believe that medicine is something that helps us to remember more of who we are. And even, you know, I people think say, oh, are, are you down on pharmaceuticals or the medical system? And no, not at all. I think medicine can be that. Medica medicine can be something you ingest. Medicine can be an aspect of creation that mirrors back something about you that helps you to remember your divinity. When I was sitting in front of, I, as a homeopath, I sat in front of thousands of people and I would see their medicine reflected in front of me. So it was like, that was my understanding is this presence and power, this divine light that would be in front of me that they would for forget, they forgot who they were. So then I would give them a remedy that would kind of help them remember who they were. So I really see it as like a thread connecting us to creation, connecting us to spirit. But that remembering is, remembering is really important for me and in the people that I serve too, because we can forget so easily that we're a part of that divine source and connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in your in your book, you very openly share also about your own autoimmune disease. How how has how has indigenous medicine and these the moon medicine, animal spirits, what role have they played in your own journey when it comes to this, you know, very kind of visual, very kind of, you know, it's it's a very prominent kind of sickness you must have felt. Mm -hmm. What yeah. what how did you how did you perceive that? Yeah, well, at the time, the pharmaceuticals I was taking weren't helping. And I was 17 and um, I got really sick in university. And then that was when I tried, I was thinking I need something. So that was the sign. There was like this awakening, like this isn't going to help you, but the earth will. But I'd been so colonized or assimilated into sort of whiteness. And I had forgotten that those teachings were in my blood and bones. So I returned to plant medicine, to homeopathy, which is why I became a homeopath, to energy healing. And those aren't necessarily all rooted in indigenous practices, but they return us to spirit and they return us to the earth. So the all the healers I saw, the adventures I went on, the journeys were all folks who, who guided me back to my spirit, back to my connection to creation. And then back to the earth as well, because I use a lot of plants. Um, I use a lot of homeopathic medicines now to, to stay healthy. Thank you for sharing that. So the other, the other very prominent aspect of your book is that 
every chapter starts with a storytelling. Could you speak to us about the significance of these stories, both personal, but also as you as you share them in this in this book with with us? Yes, they're my favorite part, to be honest. They're my favorite <laughs> part because they let me be creative. I, um, When I was little, my mom used to read me this book. I wrote about it in the book, Tales of Nokomis, and we would read it before bed. And I had the understanding that all of creation was alive. Like the birch trees and the pine trees would speak to each other and the beaver would talk and they had a face and, you know, they, they moved. And I just thought, oh, of course creation speaks to each other. So I wanted to bring back that childlike knowing that I had that there's that vital force in all beings. And I hope that sort of that's how it lands us. Like we, we look at all of creation in that way, you know, we're not above, we're not going to extract and take. They are part of us. That oneness is there in those stories. But those stories mm -hmm. were like little legends that remind me of our childhood but they honestly were just I kind of closed my eyes and I asked how they wanted to be expressed and they spoke through me and then I wrote it down so that was a really <laughs> magical experience to write them oh beautiful I love these stories too there's also the, of course you know also the the personal aspect of kind of like feeling your child self my child self but also you that was like a, a beautiful communication is kind of like reading them that's what I felt and you mentioned the beaver and the bear um, so animal spirits play an essential role in indigenous medicine and you say you understand where the belief that non-indigenous people cannot use animal medicine comes from but you have experienced it being used by non-indigenous people also with respect and reverent cares and you shared trusting it will be used with care um so could you say more about animal spirits and how you conveying them in your book yeah so i've used animal spirit medicine in my practice for a really long time so they sort of showed up as helpers and guides about 20 years ago for me. And and then they just kept appearing with my clients and all those that I worked with. And in this book, I mean, they had to be in the book because that's that's who I work with all every day. You know, they're in all of my circles. And, and honestly, like the people ask, are these the animals that are, did somebody teach you? Like, is it this animal or this moon? But I really asked my ancestors and spirit to guide that. So I mean, bear moon made sense that the bear was there for that moon. But the other moons were really based on the medicine I know and understand about those mm -hmm. animals and how they spoke to that moon ceremony or ritual or or medicine so they come in as teachers they come in as guides they come in I think in the book as can this animal bring you something today or a reflection today of maybe something you've forgotten about yourself that you want to reclaim and that's how I saw them come into the book and that's almost just like a little like here's a little catalyst for you to awaken your own healing gifts in here and those are the animals that again like they wanted to come and I would ask you know I'd close my eyes and say what animal wants to come forward for this moon this chapter and there were very specific clear answers for that so those were the ones that Mm -hmm. to be in this book. And we will talk more about that as well. And when you say you use them in your practice with clients also, what, what does that look like, if I may ask? Of course. So and I do a lot of healing circles on a lot of healing journeys. So we'll often when we do a journey like a shamanic journey or another medicine journey, an animal spirit usually will come forward. So at the end of the journey, you know, or it'll be like, okay, now an animal comes or if it's if we're working through some of say the spring equinox, we're moving into soon um, that in our direction, our in our teachings, that's the eagle. So I will use eagle animal spirit as the medicine that surrounds us in that circle. And sometimes I'm asking people well what animal showed up for you and what does that mean for you mm -hmm. so they tend to just they tend to be there with the journeying and then sometimes when I used to work more with one-on-one -on -one 
people, I would see animals around them and say, oh, peacocks here. What does that mean to you? Or I see otter around you here. So they just kind of show up as guides. So you begin and circling back again with the animals, you with the creation story and you call your land Turtle Island. And you say how the turtle holds all 13 moons on her back. Could you say more about that and speak more about the turtle? Yeah, so that is one of our traditions. Sorry, the sky reflecting, I remember, right? The sky reflecting also. Yeah. Yeah. So that is one of the, that's one of our traditional teachings that the shell of the turtle is, I think that's just so magical, right? There's like the, there's the markings Mm -hmm. that have the 13 moons. And then on the outside, there's the other markings that you can count that go from full moon to full moon. So that's Mm -hmm. how we would, that's how we would know when the next full moon was coming by the base of that turtle shell. So it is like, I see the turtle on the earth, the back reflecting the moon, like up in the sky and that, that creation connection that we're not separate, that Mm -hmm. that's connected and mirrored and reflected back in that way. So yeah, the turtle shell is that sort of Turtle Island is part of our creation story. We call North America Turtle Island because that's part of our understanding of how it came to be. And then if you look at the back of the turtle shell, I have a diagram in there with all the moons. I had an artist do all the moons in there. So you can kind of see how it's, how it guides us around the year in that way, which I think is just kind of magical. It is. It really is. I kept looking at this diagram so long. I was like, I kept looking at it and my, my daughter was looking at it with me and she, she was very intrigued by it as well. She's seven and she, she kept looking at it and very carefully looked at each of the moons and we, and she asked me what was her reading is not as stable yet. So we kind of like went back and forth with the readings below. What is the, and what is the, what is this creation story? So the creation story about Turtle Island? Yeah. Okay. So very, um, very briefly. I know, I know, I know we're not paying it full respect, but, but I I had a glimpse of it. Yeah. So we'll do a little like Coles Notes version. So it was, there was like a flood. There was this flood because everyone was fighting. So creator had this flood rain down upon all of the beings. And then of course there was no land anymore. So everyone was, the swimmers survived. So they were swimming and swimming and it was the muskrat who everyone thought, oh, you're not going to be the one that's going to rescue the earth. And all of the divers and swimmers went down to trying to get to get a piece of the earth. And they none of them were successful, but it was the muskrat that was successful and brought up a piece of the land, put it on the back of the turtle shell. And then that's how Turtle Island came to be. And that's the very short version. But it's a very like, I, I always love that story to children because I feel like they understand it. They're like, oh, right. Yes, we must be kind to our kin and we must believe in them, even if they, you know, even if we judge them as we and magic happens from there so yeah so that's that's a beautiful story in there yeah this is such a it is such a powerful powerful message the the muskrat yeah the muskrat that is as regarded as the as the weak and then it ends up being the one who dives up the piece of land also i i I believe unfortunately perishes or leaves but then is still honored by the other animals and it's a real it's a real special story thank you so much for this conversation we will be right back with asha frost please tune right back in with us after a very short little break thank you Hello and welcome back to High Energy Health. I'm Miriam Paninsky today in conversation, magnificent Asha Frost and her new book, 
you are the medicine, which was just freshly published by Hay House. And we have just, we have just talked about the creation story and the significance of Turtle Island. I want to go back to some of the initial meditations and rituals that you are introducing in your, in your book. And you guide through a meditation that you're calling your original instruction. What is our original instruction and where is it coming from and how can we access it? I This is something that I've seen in so many of my clients I worked with. It's like there's some sort of disconnection that happens where we forget that there is a vision for us, whether it was a vision that was dreamed by our ancestors or a vision that was dreamed by creator, the universe, whoever we believe in. Um, there's like a returning, I think. Every so often we get glimpses of it. It's that time where you have tears well up in your eyes or you feel warmth in your heart or you think, oh, I am making a difference here. I think that that returns us to those original instructions. So in that chapter, when I speak about that, it's that you have a very unique presence here and you have a very natural way of being that you came here with. And I think that sometimes we have so many stories or woundings or things that cover that up. So it's our probably life work to just unravel that so we can come home to that understanding of who we are and why we're here. That just tends to be the people that I work with. They want to know that and they want to come home to that. So mm-hmm. your original instructions remind you of that. And I do have a journey in the book that could perhaps help with that. It is a homecoming. I must say I did, I, I did the meditation the other day and I was, I can't, I can't even put into words what happened and it really happens with we, me with meditations that I that I read before I perform, kind of sort of sort of say or go into. But there is a real there is a real synchronist. I, how do I, how can I call it like a synchronistic magic that is happening? Even though it's instructions, and you will later on kind of go within. And it's, I really can encourage just everyone, all and everyone in the audience to purchase the book and do, do this meditation and specifically. It really, I, I can't even describe what happened there. Really, it's, I'll just keep it at that. To speak about the 13 moons um, or the moon that we're in right now. So according to this calculation and how you have ordered the chapters in accordance with your homeland in Ontario, we in the north or northeast would be within the third moon, the sugar, the sugar moon. What is the indigenous name for the sugar moon? Could you? This Basque moon. So it's the maple, yeah, kind of the maple syrup moon. It's it's that time. I mean, both of our the lands we're both coming from. I think there's there's maples there, correct? Is there maples there? There is maples, yes. yes. Yeah. So it's that's when the the sugar begins to run, right? The sap begins to run. And it's such a special time, I think, in this moon in particular. I focused on the sweetness that we might be missing as human beings right now. Because we get I think as children we're treated sweetly sometimes, sometimes not, but we lose that part of ourselves. So this moon really is about how can you bring yourself back to compassion? How can you mm-hmm. calm down any inner critic? How can you unwind from anything that feels harsh in your the words you speak to yourself? Mm-hmm. And then I have dear medicine in there weaved through as that mirror of unconditional love for self. And that's that's what this moon means to me. Yes, let's speak more about unconditional love. So you are actually also proposing various way of how to love oneself unconditionally, also deeply acknowledging, of course, the indigenous pain, but not exclusively. It's it's a really inclusive journey that you're pr- proposing here by speaking those who cannot speak for themselves, which is which is phenomenal, which is beautiful. I think it was four ways. Maybe we could speak through them, some of them. So you say you speak about conditional 
the pain of conditional worth connected with patriarchal stress disorder system, acknowledging the system around you, the locating the inner oppressor and holding shame with compassion. Could we speak more about that? Because I think we we cannot hear enough about unconditional love and ways to, to address it. Yeah, this is from a lot of, I mean, I take, I I study under a lot of people and I, it's just one of those, I'm a lifelong learner. I'll never know enough. So I'm, you know, I'll never know enough. I feel like I'm a wise person and I love to just learn more. So I did some studies with Dr. Valerie Rain, where we were talking about the patriarchy as a system and how many of us have subscribed to that system and we're in, we're kind of chained to that system. And as a result, you know, our worth is conditional on how much we perform, how much we do, how busy we are as women. being the you know the super mom the super everything and so I think that that can take us away from that unconditional love because we think that our love is only based on how much we do how much we give and that's a really tricky and sticky and slippery place to be in when the truth is we are worthy no matter what we are worthy no matter what that's just our I guess that's our origin story that's our creation story is our worth is just we come here worthy so that would be the first thing is like just noticing how much of this is the systems that I'm in right now? Because we can blame ourselves and shame ourselves and feel like we're doing something wrong or it's our fault that we feel this way when in reality, the systems are having a huge impact on us. So I think like seeing that and seeing through the eyes of those lenses is important. And then what were the, I can't remember. <laughs> so that surrounds you. So the imposter syndrome. Right. Oh yes, imposter Right. So yeah, because you hear that a lot. You hear like, oh, women suffer from imposter syndrome. And I I cited a study there just speaking about, is it imposter syndrome or is it sort of the culture that you're in? The culture that you're in is expecting these things from you. And it's just, maybe it's not an equitable system. Maybe it's not a fair system that you're in. Um, so you're just kind of hustling against something and trying to push up against something. Again, I guess that's weaved in the patriarchy too, that you'll never get there. You know, we kind of think there's a there to get, and I just don't think in these systems we will ever get there. So we have to start here and think, okay, you know, how can I just, how can I feel worthy today? And how can I love myself today? Those things are, I mean, it's a lifelong journey for me. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I think it's important. (laughs) Yes. And you're asking here the reflection quote, the medicine reflections, you call them. Have you ever felt like a fraud or shamed yourself for feeling self-doubt was the environment supportive and set up for you to succeed some reflection questions for for our audience and for the latter for for the other one about the self-conditional worth you're very direct i love the direct questions have you bought into the lie that your worth is dependent on how productive or outwardly successful you are what trauma might you carry in your lineage that continues to feed this myth And the next one, the third one is the inner oppressor, locating the inner oppressor. Yeah, so that's been a journey for me because I realized that that inner oppressor voice was really harsh. And it was something that was just there that sometimes I didn't even acknowledge. And again, for me, that was based in some um, generational pain. So it was like the voice of a missionary or a priest or some sort of oppressive system that was in there. And I thought, how did that even get there? I didn't didn't have experience with that in this lifetime, but my grandparents did. So why was that still repeating itself? So even asking, do I have an inner oppressor? What do they look like? How do they appear? What do they say to me? Whose voice is this? All of those questions, I think, for me, it's like about just awareness. That's the first step to bringing healing is you just need to be aware that it's even there. And then you can and then you can actually do something about it. But the inner oppressor is a voice that 
myself and then all, all the people I've worked with have, it's always there for in some way at some level. Yes. I think that's a really important, like how has these, how have outer oppressors become our inner oppressors at mm -hmm. some point also? Yeah. And the last one, and we're going into break, hold shame, hold your shame with compassion. Right. And I think that that's just acknowledging that I think shame's a hard thing for people to grasp. They're just like, oh, that's what that is. Right. It's like we sh we just we're so we can be so hard on ourselves. So I think just acknowledging maybe like, oh, my goodness, that's that I feel ashamed. And I oh, yeah, I speak about this. I have like shame sisters. So say something happens and I feel embarrassed or I've made a mistake or I've messed up. I will call them and say like, oh, I did this really bad thing you know can you hold this with me just having that compassionate heart to say like you're human we all make mistakes all of those things are really important i think to have that support around you to have compassionate ears and hearts holding you thank you so much we will be right back with this conversation with this beautiful conversation with asher frost please tune right back in with us in a couple of minutes Come back to our high energy health episode today. I am having the pleasure to speak with Asha Frost and her really new book, You Are the Medicine. And we were just talking about the sugar moon, the sugar moon in March, the maple syrup moon and the animal spirit is, I believe, the deer, right? Yes. What are its messages? What are their messages? Yeah, so dear medicine is Wawash Keshe, and their messages are to, you know, be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself, unwind from that harshness. How can you see the world? Like, how can you see yourself in the same eyes as the world sees you? I think we could be so kind to other people and not to ourselves. And to soften, I think soften that critic and that, that yeah, just we're surrounded by harshness. We have it inside of us. So it really is about that sweetness and softness. So that would be the sweetness of the medicine that you speak about also in the book? Yeah, yeah. in that moon in particular, yes, definitely. That's, yes. It's, uh, deer medicine seemed to be really aligned with the sugar moon. And we are soon moving into April into suckerfish moon and the animal spirit is the frog. Could you talk a little bit about what is to come? Yeah, so that, I mean, oh gosh, I can't wait till spring happens. <laughs> But yes, I mean, we all, I think, maybe relate the energy of spring to a cleansing energy or purifying energy. So Suckerfish Moon is a time, it was actually a beautiful fish that offered abundance. But the, the animal spirit of the frog just felt like it aligned really well. Oops. It aligned really well to, to that moon. The frog medicine is purification and cleansing. And then that moon also has smoke medicine as the way of doing that. And I use the term smoke medicine. We use as indigenous people smudging. And so people might understand that term and that ceremony, but it is a ceremony that has been banned for indigenous people for a while. And there's just, there's some stickiness around people using that term now. So I offer it as smoke medicine, if you're not of indigenous blood. Can you talk a little bit about the stickiness of this term? Because I think this is important to hear. Yeah, well, I think that You know, probably 10 years ago, I would have used it probably and a lot of people would have used it, but there has just been so much awareness around cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and the taking of medicines and using them for your own benefit and what that does to indigenous people. So I think the term smoke medicine, it may not continue, but I think that that can speak to 
us connecting to our own lineage. And I believe that many, many lineages used smoke as a cleansing and purification tool. And not everybody used sage as their way of cleansing, but it tended to become pretty trendy pretty quickly to have sage sticks and sage wands. And mostly I'd say on social media, like just that being a thing, like everybody's just using the sage and making memes out of it and making it a joke. And I think Mm -hmm. that there was a lot of harm over the last five years that happened with regards to sage people buying it in Whole Foods and then posting it on Instagram. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also there is a significance also with Asema. You say Asema? Tobacco? Asema. Yes. Could you say something about that as well? Yeah, so we have four medicines that are traditional medicines to our people. Um, so the sage is one and asema is another. That's tobacco, which is the first, said to be the first medicine creator gifted us. It is our medicine that we offer in gratitude. We offer it as an offering to a medicine person. If we're asking a question or we're in need of healing, we offer it to the earth to say thank you if we're going to take a plant medicine from the earth. It really is that beautiful offering that connects us to creator to say thank you and mother earth to say thank you. And of course it has been misused in cigarettes and people have used it for a different purpose so it's really important to come back to that original understanding of of it as a plant and how it's served us and been been sort of a beautiful thing for us so then there's sage there's tobacco and there's cedar Yes, there's cedar and cedar is uh, quite abundant here in Ontario. It is a medicine that we use for protection, for mm-hmm. grounding, um, especially in our ceremony like sweat lodge or um, fasting. We use cedar a lot for just for that protection, which is like really beautiful. And there is uh, sweet grass. Sweet grass. Yes. Yeah, so sweet grass is the fourth medicine and it is a beautiful braid that we braid and it's mother earth's hair. That's what it's said to be. Uh, it does smell sweet and we offer it with kindness so it has those those three braids of kindness and love to me that's like a beautiful offering to somebody as friendship or you're making amends with somebody you offer some sweet grass and you do propose a, a smoke medicine ceremony also at the end of that chapter could you could you walk us through what could be done as as spring as spring begins. So in the book, there's sort of a step-by-step. People always ask me, how do you do a smoke ceremony or how do you do a smudge? <laughs> so I thought I might as well write about it so I don't get that question anymore. <laughs> I mean, in our, traditionally, we start in the east and we move around in a clockwise um, direction if you're doing it in a, a room or a house. If you're doing it on your body, we start with um, a lot of gratitude and a prayer usually to open the directions. We ask creator to help us and then we use that medicine. From head to toe, we, we can burn a little bit of, I mean, using something from your own lineage would be really mm-hmm. powerful and calling on your ancestors before you burn that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And then having that smoke weave through is really great for, for clearing the space and clearing your own space. We have sage burning here all the time, day and night, usually in our home, just to keep the energies clear. It's really good. You know, people say just for negative energy, but I'd say for all energy that you're wanting to work through, it doesn't always have to just be negative or heavy. It could just be like, oh, I did yeah. some healing work today. I want to clear that from my, from my system. Yeah, yeah. And I just uh, want to also, again, as you just said, you know, you have, you're asked that so many times, how do you do a smoke ceremony just for all, for all of us, to me and our audience, just to, to be mindful and acknowledging and honoring this, this ancient tradition and its significance. Um, So I just want to, want to call that out. Yeah. You also share a couple of memories when it comes to smoking, you share about your name ceremony. Mm-hmm. And you also also share about your wedding. And I have learned that you that you got married to a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. 
I did, yes. Yes, please share, please share about that if you may. Oh yeah, so my wedding ceremony, it was interesting. We were just watching the video the other day. I haven't watched it in a couple of years and it's, it brought back so many memories. My grandfather did the smudge ceremony for that and he's not alive anymore. So it, it brings a lot of tenderness to my heart to remember that when he lit the smudge. And he lit the smudge and because I, I feel like, I don't know, those, that Jewish, the Jewish tradition has the depth of ancestry. So there was like a connection to our, our ancestors came together and it felt like that ancient energy came together, you know, that it's just, there's so much depth there. So it <laughs> felt like this medicine swirling around of like, yes, we see each other. Yes, we see you. We had different traumas in our histories, but so we could relate to each other a little bit. So there was a lot of spirit there. That's what happens every time I light. I light smudges. Yeah. There's just a lot of spirit there Yeah, um, that comes forward. So the same thing happened with my naming ceremony as we lit it. And it just felt like our ancestors were there helping and guiding us. And that still feels like that when I light it today as well. What is your indigenous name and what is its meaning? The name my grandfather gave me was Nadai Nagwe which is Healing Rainbow Woman. And recently I received another name and it's not a name that erases the first one. It's just an additional name that came was coming forward as there was like a new, almost before my book was birthed, actually. She who walks with the Thunderbirds. So that's that's the new the name. Thunderbirds. Yes, she who walks with the Thunderbirds. She who work walks with the Thunderbirds. Oh wow, beautiful. Thank you so much. Please tune right back in with us. We're having a short little break and then enter our last segment with this amazing conversation with Asha Frost. Thank you so much. Um, back to today's episode of High Energy Health for this last segment and this amazing conversation with Asha Frost and her new book, You Are the Medicine. Asha is giving us the pleasure to lead us through a short meditation experience before we end the show. Asha, I'm handing it over to you. So this is a journey about butterfly medicine because we're about to step into spring and there's emergence happening. And this is called the soul gold retrieval. So no expectation, just release all of that and see what comes forward for you. Find a comfortable place in your body. Begin to breathe. Maybe feel your breath moving down to the soles of your feet. Maybe gently wiggling your toes. And bring yourself present to this moment, being kind to yourself. As you breathe, we're going to call on creation. We're going to call on your guides, your ancestors, the beings of light. And we're going to call on butterfly spirit to lead you through your transformation. As you begin, envision yourself as a caterpillar. You'll see a bright golden door surrounded by rainbow light. As you open the door and move through, you feel yourself surrounded by a warm cocoon. In this cocoon, a vision or memory of one of the most challenging events in your life comes forward. You are safe and protected here. There is nothing to fear. As you remember, you begin to unravel, dissolve, and fall apart. There is a sense of disorientation as you turn to goo. In this state of goo, you carry a set of incredible magical cells. They contain the soul goal that has always been a part of you. Even when you feel like everything around you is dissolving, these cells hold the vision of who you are. The wind begins to blow around you and there is an activation that happens. 
Your soul gold is gathered from the path you have walked, the wisdom you have gained from this lifetime and beyond. You begin to emerge into a new state of being. Grandfather's sun begins to radiate powerfully over your body and you are remade with wings. Slowly and gently you spread those wings and begin to flap them. Soar with your soul goals activated and feel the lightness, the connection and the spark of your divinity realign with your energy. Your soul gold begins to flow out of every pore of your skin. You are radiant. You are the medicine. Gently float back down to earth, back to your path, standing taller and more rooted in all that you are. The journey is complete. Move through the door. Breathe yourself back into your space and at your own pace and time, come back into your room and open your eyes. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing, sharing your voice sharing your wisdom with us with us here today so before you finish can you tell the audience of how they can how they can work with you how they can find you and i'm just going to put out there right now asha asherfrost.com is a wonderful homepage you will find all her programs but maybe you can speak a little bit about what you what do you offer and how people can connect with you Sure. So my newest offerings will be, if you want to find me and follow me on Instagram, I recently had a membership for over two and a half years, but I let go of it. So I'm in a bit of a new emergent state after this book comes out, but I do have some online circles happening. And then I will have an offering to, for some mentorship for those who are wanting to step into their medicine more and shine bright and rise up into their gifts. So that will be coming um, fairly soon. But if you go into my website, it should be there. And then on my Instagram. And then I want to mention too, if you do buy the book and you want the same ceremony guide that goes with it you can go to youarethemedicinebook.com and you can download the free ceremony guide and, and you can follow that during the full moons of the year amazing amazing conversations so um for this for for this current sugar moon what are what are some of rituals or ceremonies what you would recommend doing right now as we transition into spring into sucker fish moon Right. So I love, I mean, the ceremony that I offered in the, in the ceremony guide was to do a little bit of maple syrup. So if you're not, you don't have access to that. It could be a little bit of honey, something sweet, and just envision it could be so simple under that full moon that anything that inner critic, that inner oppressor, that inner shame being that, that is always active, that we can just send them some compassion and say, we don't want to hear from you anymore. And yeah. instead we're gonna infuse ourselves with some of the sweetness and just take a spoonful of maple syrup with that intention, maybe holding it in your hands first and activating with some really good medicine before you take it. We will also from now on regard maple syrup differently than, than we used to. Yeah, it's such a, it's such good medicine and it is considered medicine for our people. So yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to see to see that, to see that food, right? It's food is medicine. And and you were also talking about, um, you know, because obviously with with indigenous folks, it's very it's very tough to to work through that anger that is built up with you know centuries of 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 violence and oppression. Is that is does that go along with that with that sweetness and with this with this medicine? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I, I share about that in the book about 
how I wonder what would change if we were offered sweetness just from society, because there's a lot of bias and racism that Indigenous people encounter on a daily basis, and how we internalize that so deeply, and how we have really high rates of diabetes in our populations, and I wonder what that's about. So it's I'm something I'm curious about, what would happen if we had more sweetness with our own inner voice, with the things that we suppress, with what we've taken into our systems and what, what could happen if we brought some sweetness there instead. Maybe we could heal. I'm not sure, but it's a possibility. It is a possibility to actually, to heal diabetes with, with actual sweetness is, is I think a, a wonderful possibility. Well, Asha, thank you so much for this amazing conversations. I feel so blessed for having shared this time with you, for her, having heard your voice, for having been in your presence. I would just encourage everyone out there, look at, buy the book, Hay House Publications. It's available everywhere. You are the medicine, 13 moons of indigenous wisdom, ancestral connection and animal spirit guidance by Asha Frost. It just was released. It's very fresh. Check out Asha's Instagram and her website ashafrost.com and there is only magnificence there so please go for it thank you so much for tuning in with us and asha thank you so much for for being with us today thank you so much for having me it's been such a gift thank you so much